You're listening to the Professional Brotherhood Podcast, because when the alarm sounds, nobody cares if you're career or volunteer. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Professional Brotherhood Podcast. What's up, Kara? Hello. Hello. Greetings from snowy central New York. I know. Isn't this getting a little freaking ridiculous? The last time we recorded, yeah. like it's supposed to be spring now, officially. I'm over it. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm in I'm in that mode and I'm I'm ready to move on. So right. um before we before we dive into uh tonight's episode and and you do some introductions for us, I just uh, I need to give a uh I need to do some shout outs. Uh, first of all, uh, last week's uh, now, by the time this goes up, it won't be last week's episode, but our last <laughs> our, our last episode um, on the Mayday situation in um, uh, two weeks time has proved to be our most downloaded um, episode yet. Um, and I have got a tremendous amount of feedback on that episode. All good. Um, uh, which is good to hear, which is good to hear. Yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy that went well. And I want to thank those guys again for coming on and telling their story. Um, and then I also got to give a shout out to, uh, volunteer hose company number two in, uh, West Haverstraw down in Rockland County. They hosted our setting our volunteers up for success class this past weekend. We had a good turnout. Um, Again, really great conversations, and it was a good day. And I just want to thank uh, them and all their surrounding um, Rockland County brothers and sisters for. Um, actually, there's some Westchester sprinkled in there too, I believe. I uh, just want to <laughs> I want to thank all them for uh, coming out and giving up half their Saturday to uh, to listen to the message. So, with that awesome. being said, with that being said, let's uh, let's dive into tonight. Show all right. You. Okay, so uh, tonight, actually, we are joined by two guests. Uh, our first guest uh, is in no particular order, I should say this before I get myself <laughs> in trouble. Um, but we have two guests. So uh, Lieutenant Bill Smith uh, from Erieville Fire. Bill has 20 years uh, experience in the fire department. He has had every role um, all the way up to chief. And now he's back in as first lieutenant. Uh, he is also a EMT on the department as well. So welcome, Bill. Hi, so Bill. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Oh, oh thanks and, for having me. Absolutely. And we also have Evan Spalding, who is on Erieville Fire as well. Evan has 15 years experience and he is currently a, what you want to be known as a senior man, Evan? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's an interior. I can tell he doesn't care about titles, right? Yeah, no, not at all. That's an understatement. Said we can call him the peon, so uh, you know. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey. He was formerly a captain on the department, however. So, um, and he has some experience with a local, uh, more urban fire department too, um, from his uh, past experience as well. So, two guys that have tons of fire experience and are currently operating in a, a rural all volunteer fire department that runs both fire and EMS here in central New York. Um, I also just should disclose that this is a uh, mutual aid department for me. 
Um, and I do run mutual aid with their department in the summertime uh, when I'm uh, supposed to be relaxing at my camp. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for disclosing that. I, I, I appreciate that. We'll, You're we'll make sure that we put some stars in the show notes with a full written disclosure as well, just so everybody. Yeah, does great. that mean you're not going to say anything bad about us? <laughs> no. <laughs> we won't get that lucky. So, no, so explain, explain to, to our listeners that kind of know New York geography, right? Um, where in central New York, Erieville is? Um, it's in Madison County, which is probably, what, 20 miles southeast of Syracuse, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if anybody if anybody knows our area a little bit, it's like halfway between Kaz and Morris, just a little bit south of twenty. Okay, gotcha. I, I that 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 zeroed it in for me, so I'm I'm good. And my yeah, I'm sure. And listen, I'm <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I'm still in upstate New York, but whatever. That's a conversation for another <laughs> conversation for another day. Anyway. Right. All right, Kara, go ahead. <laughs> right yeah there's a whole other part of new york state like about it's like a big right. large right right right, right now if you live in upstate new york your road is white with snow is your road white it, with snow? it actually is snowing outside yeah it's white with snow here too so <laughs> so i'm far enough upstate that yeah it is snowing unfortunately right. um so talk to us talk to everybody a little bit about um the district that you're in uh, what kind of, you know, population do you have? What are the buildings and structures that you have in your uh, first due area? What kinds of stuff are you guys dealing with as a fire department there? So our district is, and I'm, I can answer this really good because I did the uh, fire insurance reports for a couple of years, but it's like seven and a half square miles. Um, not perfectly square, but give or take seven and a half square miles. And there's between seven and 800 people in our district. Uh, we got everything from old, yeah, it goes up a little bit in the summer because we got a couple of nice lakes with uh, temporary residents. But um, we got all kinds of buildings. So we got everything from balloon frame, old farmhouse construction to um, on one road uh, closer to our neighboring district. It's kind of newer construction. So we do have lightweight new stuff too. There are a couple commercial buildings, but not really not enough to um, say so. And we certainly don't do much business there. So we don't really know commercial stuff, but um, I mean, the highway garage, there's a uh, retail that used to do flooring. There's a couple of buildings, but mm -hmm. for the most part, it's, it's mainly residential and uh, the age group isn't like, we're not a retirement community. We're not uh, a young thriving community. It's, it's all over the place. Uh, we do, uh, you want me to talk about call volume, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we do a uh, hundred calls is a busy year for us. Last year we did 83 calls and at least 80% of them are EMS. At least we run, there's no, uh, ambulance in our district. Um, any, any call we go to our district split in half as far as ambulance coverage, but, uh, any time an ambulance comes into the Erieville fire district, uh, we run a rescue. So, I mean, we're busy with EMS. That's what we do 80% of the time. Right. About what is your uh, average distance from a, for an ambulance to get to a uh, trauma center? Oof. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Syracuse, right? 20 miles. 40 yeah. minutes. 40 minutes yeah. ride, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. Especially if the roads yeah. look like they do right now. <laughs> right, that's maybe a little further. Um, 
And then, so you have two lakes in your area. So you guys have ice rescue, water rescue. Yeah. Yeah. To the ice. Uh, yeah, Evan just did a little deal, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, the Tuscarora is like how many acres, Evan? Maybe a couple hundred acres of water, right? And then we only cover yeah. half of Eatonbrook, um, but that's probably even a little bit bigger than the Tuscarora. So, yeah, we cover a fair amount of water, not moving water, but um, we cover a fair amount of water, yeah. Okay. Do you have any other special teams? Oh, no, no special teams. I don't even, I mean, we don't, we're not considered a special team as far as the ice rescue stuff. We do have, um, we do have a bunch of stuff. Uh, some of our former members back in the nineties saw it to be a problem. Thankfully saw it to be a problem and said, uh, we sure familiar with how to, how to act with this. And, uh, some of them went to some really cool training and said, we need to buy some gear, bought a bunch of gear back then. And then every so often we buy more. So we actually, um, in Madison County, definitely on the Southern, um, until you get up by like a night of Lake, uh, we got a lot of ice water stuff and we're on the box for a lot of people. We travel all over. Good. Brian, did you have something? Yeah, I was just going to say, so on the, on the EMS side, you guys are doing first response only, and there's a transporting unit coming from somewhere else. Or do you do transport as well? Yep. Okay. Oh, yep. No, we're a BLS agency, right? We're a BLS agency. Uh, and it's, um, you know, we, we do, so it's, it's probably 10 or 12 minutes for an ambulance to get to a call in sure. the Greenville fire district. If they have to come, like, let's say if they have to come to the center of town, that's the furthest uh, furthest away from each receiving agency. So, um, you know, we might be doing primary care on the scene for, uh, depends on the road conditions, depends on a few things, but you know, it could be 10 or 12 minutes that we're providing care. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, I mean, look, that's, uh, that's, uh, unfortunately not unique right a lot of rural areas around new york even even here um we're still fortunate enough to have some fairly decent um and i don't want to say thriving but well-staffed volunteer corps in the in the western part of the county which is pretty rural to a hospital or or even our commercial you know our commercial paramedic service so um but it's definitely not definitely not uh definitely not unique for the fire department to get there and have to render patient care for a while until you can get an ambulance to take somebody to the hospital so that's i'm sure you guys are busy with that for sure yeah. And I mean, that's becoming more common, you know what I mean? Like yeah. ambulance services, even ones that were doing well before um, yeah. are kind of maybe not, not doing awful, but you know, they're, they're a dying breed, uh, volunteer ambulance services, just like the volunteer fire service in rural areas. Yeah. Well, like you just said, I mean, look, let, let, let's, let's say you did hypothetically have a volunteer transporting agency in your area you just said it's what 20 miles to the local to the closest trauma center yeah I mean, yeah how, our, so our, our, our the place to our south is a town-owned ambulance service staffed mm -hmm. by the volunteer fire department oh, if wow. they come to erieville pick up somebody which um actually just happened the other night uh when Evan rolled over and slept through it um if they come to erieville for a ambulance call and they're going to transport to Syracuse, which is the north the closest trauma center. If they're going to yep. do that, I mean it's 10, 12 minutes for them to get to us and then a 35 minute drive to Syracuse or better. Yeah. So a bullshit stub toe is a, it's hours of somebody's or, time. Right, or <laughs> or a last, a la 
a, a laceration to the arm, something yeah. like that, where, you know, they don't want to go to the local Band-Aid center. Yeah, it's right, a 40-minute right. drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no, then you're taking that time. whole crew. That whole crew has got to be out of service for a minimum of two hours, right? Right. Yeah. With and then you're then you're looking for yeah, the it, nearest closest ambulance for the next district to come and backfill, and the and the next you know firefighter EMT. Right. And that town to the south, right? The ambulance is, um, it's supplied, it's supported by the fire department. <clears throat> so you're taking three firemen out of that community for that long to go to the ambulance. I mean, not, right. not saying it's a bad thing, uh, but you, you just got to be aware of it. Yeah. It's yeah. That might be that one that, that might be two of your air pack guys on an ambulance for two hours by the time they get to the hospital and cleaned up and back. Right. Hmm. right. Well, two of your seven air pack guys. So, right. right. Yeah. You know. I was going to, that's, that's a great point. And uh, let's talk about that a little bit. So, Right now, how many, uh, you know, um, and, and we don't have to just talk specifically about, you know, your department, but uh, just so people can get a framework um, about where you guys are coming from, uh, about how many active members um, that are out, you know, doing, responding to calls and, and have certifications and that kind of thing, about how many people are you working with currently? I think we have 14 active right now. Well, 14. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a tough question. How many people are on our active roles? Is that what you're asking? Or how many people, when we got an EMS call at 10 o'clock at night the other night, how many people came to the firehouse? Because that number is very different. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's for, so that's for everybody. So it, you know what? It doesn't matter if you have 50 on your roles, who's your, you know, who's your active active, typically 25, you know, it's typically a 50% split in my experience, you know, but so if you guys have, Four, and you don't even have to split it out, but if you have 14 members on your active roles, who's your active active? Who, how, how many are turning out all the time? Uh, the, the EMS, yeah, the EMS calls get a little, um, they get tough because people, you know, how many times do you go out on a call and it's, I don't want to say it's nonsense, but it's not something super urgent or a high priority. And they're like, the next one, we just say, eh. It's the same 82 year old female up on this road. That's general illness. I really, we don't need to go, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. But the, the last time we had a uh, reported fire and it sounded like something, um, you know, they, they called and said the power was out and they said the house filling with smoke and yada, yada, the power had flickered a couple of times. It actually sounded something. Uh, we went out with, you know, a, a full engine of SCBA guys or whatever. And it was great. And it was a Friday night. I was, I was, dumbfounded that it could happen but uh it doesn't happen very often but you know if the stars align just right we can put a full engine crew together um but you know in my district there's no there's no business in the district right we don't have a walmart we don't have uh anything like that it's just a rural community so it's not like people are leaving the local hardware store to come down and get on the fire truck or you know there's the highway department and then some whoever called in to work that day so it doesn't <laughs> yeah. you know it doesn't happen very often yeah. So Bill's usually around. <laughs> so, so just throwing this out there, it, you know, I mean, we talk about recruitment and retention all the time. Um, mm -hmm. For you guys, probably the 
obviously, you know, if, if, if somebody's looking to join, you're, you're not chasing anybody away. You, you're happy to take new members, but I would imagine that the retention piece is probably more important for you than the recruitment piece, because you, you want to keep who you've got because you know, you don't have 10 people waiting in the wings to potentially join. Right. Right. Oh, that, Evan, I, you want to I talk? have never heard you a want... truer statement than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so talk, talk to us about the, about the retention piece. How do you, how do you keep those 14 that are, you know, on the active roles? What, what are some things you guys are doing to keep those as many as those 14 um, still coming around? Evan, do you want to address that? No, I'm going to let you talk about this one. Oh, you can oh, both can boy, talk about is, it, you know. This is pretty sensitive right now, actually. Uh, so I don't have the answer, right? I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, okay. I can tell you a list of a thousand things not to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as what works every single time, guaranteed, I don't have an answer. Okay, so, um, so tell, us some, tell us some things not to do. Tell us some things that you've tried that just were a freaking train wreck for you and didn't work. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Well, uh, okay, so leadership, right? As you guys have pointed out time and time and time and time and time again, right? Um, leadership is huge, right? They gotta, you got to give them a direction. Um, we had a member that came and was gung-ho, joined our membership. We have a committee for membership, that that's what they do, um, recruitment and retentions. And he said, uh, this person said, let's uh, let's buy signs to put in the yard, right? Like you go through the busy communities, you see those all over the place. Sure. Bought a bunch of signs. We stuck them up on, I say the main roads in our town, which are back county roads. <laughs> stuck them up on the main roads in our town and didn't get much, you know, didn't get much of a response, but we're not getting you know, a thousand cars an hour going by during the morning commute. It's just, you know, right. everybody leaves our town for the morning commute. But nobody mm-hmm. travels through it. Um, but uh, another good idea was, and I, I said this a long time ago, is when somebody joins, right? When I joined the fire service, I wanted to do every single thing I could as fast as I could every single night. I wanted to be at the firehouse. I wanted to be learning something every single night. Mm-hmm. And we had no, we had no, um, we didn't get, we didn't have a roadmap to give them. We didn't have a direction, right? We didn't have a checklist. Uh, a new member might go, you know, that officer that's not too active works on the road or whatever, isn't around all the time. They would go months and they didn't know all the fire line officers. You know what I mean? Like if they had a question, they didn't know who to approach. Gotcha. So just, uh, you know, just a, a checklist of this is so-and-so and he's the chief mm-hmm. and he can teach you about your pager and you know the responding sops and when you're coming to the firehouse don't drive off the road and get in a wreck and cause another call and you know this is the assistant chief and he can teach you what trucks go to what calls and yada yada right. and this is the fire captain and he can teach you all about the saws and how to start them and how to check the gas and how to check the oil and then the lieutenant can teach you, you know, how to put your turnout gear on and how to turn the radio on and talk on the radio and that stuff. Right. Just a roadmap of stuff, you know, not, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, they don't have to be forcing the door to on their second week, uh, but mm-hmm. just something, a direction, give them something, a direction to head mm-hmm. to um, to keep them busy, you know, keep them interested, keep them occupied and to meet people and learn things. Right, right. So Evan, you mentioned earlier um, that in the summer, your population in your town increases. 
So do you have, right. do you get, is that a time for you guys to look for recruitment or do you seek out people that are there for the, for that stretch of the year or? Well, I feel like mostly they're not, they're there on the weekends and stuff. So we really don't, I mean, we have you who comes to your camp and runs mutual aid, but besides that, most people are just there for the weekend or a long week or so we don't really, really get any more help from them just being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, most, you know, you're kind of the oddball there, Kara. I mean, most people that are going to a camp to relax and kick right and like, and get away right. from the shit they're doing the week during the week. Right. No, not you. You're going and, you know, signing up for more. You know? For so, your information. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. It took you know. them. It took them. Well, how many years, Billy? Did you guys ask? How long, how long have you been going to your camp? Since you were five? <laughs> Yeah. Longer than so only that. took so only look took how many years to approach you <laughs> to say can you so besides but besides you there's nobody that you know camper wise that comes and help us right so have has there been any like discussion in the department or any thought about it because i know that uh, brian talked about this in the seminar as well um and and setting volunteers up for success that you know, when you think about recruitment in the smaller areas or where you have, um, quote unquote, part-time citizens, is that a group that we should consider tapping into? What do you think about that? Wouldn't hurt to ask, but like Brian said, they're there to relax. You know, it's hard to get people to want to do that while they're enjoying their time. Yeah. So, so, you know, uh, uh, one of the, one of the uh, examples, you know, that I give is uh, when a buddy of mine moved down South um, the, the, the fire department actually, they actually monitor, they monitored home transactions. So when a new person, you know, either bought in, you know, bought a home in the community or bought a second home or whatever, they would actually show up on the door and knock on the door with like a welcome basket, you know, Hey, we're the volunteer fire department. We always need help you know, introduce themselves, uh, what have you. And, and he was pretty, uh, you know, he was pretty taken back by that coming from, you know, New York where that's not something that is, is, is usually done, but, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't know what the possibility is for, um, you know, like a, um, like an age restricted program, you know, like people that are there with their, with their, you know, high school age kids that maybe, you know, maybe they want to get the hell out of the house right. with mom and dad for the, <laughs> for the weekend. Right. And, maybe, and maybe your firehouse would look really good to them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know, just thinking, just thinking out outside the box for different avenues of, of, uh, you know, of recruitment tools, you know, like, like you said, if you, you know, if, if it, if it's a community, uh, like Billy, you said earlier that people are typically leaving in the morning to go to work, you know, unless they work, you know, locally for the town or the highway department or something like that. Um, it, it can be very, very challenging, obviously, to, to find new recruits. Um, but obviously, it would probably be beneficial to, to you guys, if your population increases in the summertime, well, maybe we can take advantage of that po- population increase somehow. And even if it's somebody like Kara, who's already trained, you know, we can say, hey, you know, come, come, give us a hand, put down your, right. put down your Paps Blue Ribbon, and come run some fire calls. <laughs> PVR. Oh my lord. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, you know, when you respond, when you, if you have about 14 to pick from and, you know, maybe you only have one or two on EMS call, but you have maybe an engine crew, maybe not a full engine crew on a alarm. Talk to us a little bit about that, what that looks like when, you know, obviously in New York state, we all have the same um, training that we're all required to go, go through. Um, and so we, you know, it's kind of drilled into our head what those numbers are supposed to look like before we leave the Bay floor. Right. Um, and I'm presuming that that can't always happen when you're dealing with a rural department that, you know, just doesn't have those numbers to draw from and depending on time of day can be very different. So talk to us a little bit about, about how that is, because I think a lot of departments struggle with the same thing. Uh, well, Evan, you want to go? Go ahead. So our SOPs say, right, on our, our, our first line engine on a reported fire, our SOPs say that the engine has to leave with the operator, an officer, and one SCBA person. And if you read between the lines, right, you can say, well, that's two people because the, like, I'm an officer and I wear an air pack. So that's Onesen and the operator, right? Um, mm -hmm. And reasonably, I would say, okay, I know that sounds scary that we're leaving with two people, uh, but not that this makes it right, but it doesn't happen very often, right? The, the last reported fire we had was, uh, what, Evan, three uh, months ago, three, any, right? Yeah, we, three we, months ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, but that was rare because we, we, we rolled out with a full crew, but I don't know. The, the state says we got to have two in and two out that, I mean, I don't want to be the bad guy here, but it like, it rarely happens. Right. Usually we show up with a couple right. of pack guys and an operator and a chief beats us there. And we drag the line off and head to the front door. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I will say in our area, just because of the, the demographics and the geographics of it, right. We pull up on one of two kind of areas, right. We pull up where the smoke is puffing and you can see orange through the window and you can march in and get it, uh, or we pull up and it is through the roof and every board is burning. <laughs> one, one of two, right. right? We never get in between. Uh, we did have a rare one one time that put itself out before we got there, um, but that never happens. But, uh, I mean, two guys, you can do a lot of work with three guys, right? I just shared a video the other day on Facebook from the city of Utica, and it was a truck company beat the engine um, to a uh, – I mean, the, the porch was fully involved on this place and starting to make its way in the, in the front windows. Um, it was, it was a three man crew and they, the officer jumped off, went right to a walk around, headed right out back. Uh, the operator was stretching the hand line, really, really forward and aggressive operator stretched the hand line off while the third guy was, uh, grabbing a hydrant. By the time the third guy got up to take the line off the, um, off the operator's hands, and uh, started hitting it right, right from the front of the place. And the operator just went over and opened the valve, right? You can do a lot of work if there are three people that are um, fairly educated, right? You got to know what you're looking at. Uh, you got to know building construction. You got to, you know, there was no power lines in the front yard. There was nothing to work out. Um, I assume they got a report. I don't know this, but I assume they got a report of no victims. Um, a really aggressive officer that went in. And then you could hear radio as the guys out front, um, you know, operating the hand line, you could hear on the radio that the officer cleared the first floor. So he went around back up the stairs on the porch in the back door and did a quick search alone 
um, of the first floor, which probably wasn't involved because it was just the porch on fire in the front. Um, right. You know, you get, our you closest, get three. Our closest mutual aid's 10 minutes away, so we can't wait. I was just, I was going to, I was going to ask that. So what, so as far as equipment, what are you guys running an an engine, a rescue? And is that it? An engine? Yep. We got got a, we got a custom engine with a thousand gallons of water on it. Okay. Uh, we got what's what we call a heavy rescue. Um, uh, that's just got for fires, just got air pack stuff on it and vent, vent fans and saws and stuff. Uh, we got a tanker or tender or whatever. What no, tanker's it? fine. That was that was going to be my next question because I'm sure you don't have a. I, I doubt you have a municipal water system, right? There's no. There's. No, oh yes. Do no, oh, we, we do. do. Yes, you do. We huh? got 13, oh. 13 fire hydrants in the Eagle Fire District. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. Yep. So listen, that's that's good. That's a positive. Yeah. Yeah. Fancy. Yeah. We've never. I don't know. Have you ever water. hit one? No. <laughs> I never have. They always uh, tell us don't use them. Uh, in the 20 years i've been in the fire department in Erieville, i remember them hitting a hydrant once on a fire one time and it did work hmm. i mean the building burnt down but the hydrant worked right so you just said, uh, evan you just say your closest mutual aid is 10 10 miles away 10 minutes 10 minutes away 10 minutes away and yeah. what kind of staffing does does your does your mutual aid have uh, they're kind of in the same boat as us during the day okay. during the week. Depends who's around, you know. From mm-hmm. the south, you could get two or three guys. Usually, from the north, you could get a full engine, hopefully. So it just depends the time. So where? So let me ask you this: Where is your closest? Where is your closest mutual aid that you know for a fact you'll get a full staffing of manpower? Six where miles is, away. Six miles away. Okay. Yes. Okay. Which is fine if, uh, right, if it's, it's that they would be coming at us from the north, it's fine if we're on the northern end of the district, right? Right, right. If we go to the southeast corner of our district, mm-hmm. then they're 20 minutes away, not, gotcha. you know, 10 or 12. Okay. Right? Okay. Okay. Just trying to figure all this, all this stuff out. So do you guys do any, uh, do you have any, um, automatic aid assignments is there anything like that or like for a structure fire where you know you know hey i know that best case scenario i'm going to have x amount of guys so if i get a reported structure fire let's start moving you know a and b when we get it versus getting there and figuring it out absolutely yeah absolutely we have that department to the north uh on almost every single box that we have because we know we can depend on them for at least an engine and probably a tanker 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So they're on the box for almost everything. Now are they volunteer combination? What are they? Volunteer. We're volunteer. volunteer. They're all volunteer. Oh, that's you guys. Oh yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> gotcha. We're right. volunteer. Thanks for asking. Yes. Um, just checking. You no, never no, know. no. Um, no. So our, the nearest combination department, is actually going to be about uh, seven miles from us. Um, that would be have a paid crew, and they they generally you guys do you guys have them on any of your boxes? No, I think they stop at us, right? Yeah, no, they yeah, don't. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In general, well, I, mean, I don't we know. Call, I... We could call for them, but they're not automatic for you guys, right? No, no, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so their 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 uh, closest mutual aid would also be volunteer, but. Um, generally can get a full crew anytime from 
um, which is just a stroke. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then also we're, but we're automatic on all of your rescue calls during the day. Yep. Monday to Friday. Monday to Friday. Six, so what, is, yeah, what yeah. time is that, Billy, that we do that? 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. You six guys are on, now. not just, yeah, not just EMS. You guys are on the box for everything. Right. Gotcha. Automatic. Right. Yeah. So typically um, for, for that 12 hour time span, you know, any sick person um, rescue call, any rescue call, they, they'll get toned out and CAS will automatically get toned out as well for any EMS. For any EMS. And, and I can't, any fire, but anything, but EMS too. Any call. Yeah. Any call. Yep. Wow. So that's, and again, you're talking a hundred, a hundred call. Well, you said your call volumes, a hundred calls a year. So I'm sure it's not all, you know, that's not all during the week, right? Uh, during the day. And it, or, but it wasn't always like that, right? Like this is, this has been born out of not having staffing, right? Oh yeah, definitely. When I first joined Kaz wasn't, um, Kaz wasn't on the first box, at, at all i don't think um maybe during the day here and there definitely for a fire but um cast didn't come to Erieville for ems calls unless it was like a second or third alert and now right. i mean they dispatch them right away hmm. right but when i when i joined i mean i mean i joined as a junior when i was 16 years old you can't do anything until you're 18 years old um but when i joined you know Erieville had like really 30 or 32 active members, right? Mm-hmm. So you can hear, you know, half or maybe a little bit more of that was super, super active, but still that's almost 20 guys. And, and, and uh, they were working you know, on we, farms, we, they were around. I was going to ask right. today. So, right. so did they all did, did all of that membership from when you initially joined, did they, did they age out? Did they move out? Did their farms close? Like what, what? Well, yeah, some of them, some of them, yeah. I mean, some of them were old when I joined, Okay. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we've put the we've put the uniform on for them. Um, but and there's not there's not as much backfilling. You know what I mean? We lose, sure. you know, let's say we lose three or four a year. Um, and I mean, we haven't had a new member. We had uh, well, we had a new member last year, and that was mm-hmm. the first one in a couple of years. Wow. But then um, when I was fire, I was fire chief like between five and six years ago. Uh, we had this, this is going to sound really, really great. And I'm not complaining about it, but it did present some problems that we were not ready for. I think, uh, the year that I, one of the years that I was fire chief, we took on nine new members in a year. Wow. So yeah, which sounds really impressive. And it was, it was great. We had a ton of staffing, you know, we taught them to do some things right up front and great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it did present some problems that we were not ready for. Like, uh, you know, we didn't have spare turnout gear to give them. You know, we have three or four sets of gear. If Evan goes to a fire and tears a set up, we can go out back and piece something together for him. Um, but we don't have nine sets of turnout gear laying around to give the new members in a sure, year. You sure, know what I mean? Sure. And and it takes a while. Evan, Evan, you ordered a brand new set of gear. What? Uh, uh, three months month ago. ago. Anyway. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. Three. It takes forever to get it. So even if you do order it, they're still without gear for a long time. Um, and when that's when the problem, um, not the problem, that's when the issue came up of these guys don't have a direction to head, know who to go to, to learn what, to do this, to do that. You know what I mean? And there was nine of them just, we, we were overwhelmed for a couple of years because of that. So were but, they, um, not, 
Where'd they all come from? Where did that nine come from? Uh, well, three of them was, we got three people from one family and then two people from another family, right? Like a father and son and mm-hmm. then parents and a daughter. And then um, one guy, we were very fortunate, moved from the one department in Madison County. Uh, they bought it. He retired from that. Uh, he was like a deputy chief for like 20 years or something, paramedic level, right? Um, and then moved out here and bought a house and came to us and said, hey, um, I'm here. I might as well give you guys a hand. And we're like, great, we'll tell you know. And uh, now he's an assistant chief with us. But um, yeah, just that was that was completely random you know what i mean just a bunch yeah. of people were like i want to join the fire department and they weren't um he was the only example um the, the guy that came from the career department he was the only example that um had moved into the area these people were living in the area sure um and then just decided to join the fire department how many of that nine do you still have yeah i knew you were gonna ask that <laughs> uh the father's son is um the son went away to college for a little while, whatever, had to leave and hasn't joined back up yet, still lives in the area. Uh, The father went out on medical issues or whatever he wanted to take care of. So he is still a member, just not an active fireman. Uh, uh, The parents are still firemen. Uh, The daughter moved away or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So you kept uh, maybe half. Yeah, yeah, probably. Maybe half of your your crew. Right. When you say cap, that means still and down, getting on the fire. Yeah. Truck yeah. Still has, still has a locker. Yeah. yeah. Still active. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, I should, I should, I should have asked this, this question um, earlier as for, and just because you brought up the whole turnout gear thing and, you know, not having the spare equipment, are, are you guys a fire district? Are you a, a, ah, a private company? Yes. What are you? No, we're a fire district. You are a fire district. Okay. Yep. Uh, but, you know, with what'd you say, 7.5 square miles and seven to 800 people. Um, the tax base I'm sure is not huge, no commercial, right. You, you said that also. So actually of the no commercial, well, I mean a, a handful of small businesses, but nothing right, right. huge. We don't right, have a right. Walmart or anything, yeah, but right. actually our tax base for the size of us and the amount of calls we run our tax base is really good because yeah. Uh, lake properties worth so much. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. And we have two. I should know that. I have two lake. Yeah, I should know that. I have like three lake communities in my district. So I used to, yeah. Right. Right over my head. So uh, I don't think we're, uh, I don't think we're the richest department in New York state, uh, but for, you know, for the amount of calls we run and the size of our district and yada, yada, we do really well. Right, right, right. So let's talk about, let's talk about, um, you know, training and keeping these people active. So uh, again, where, where, how far, aside from anything that you can do in-house, how far is Madison County as a County training center, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how how far is that for, for you guys to send people to, you know, uh, state training classes? I don't know. It's like 10, 12 miles probably from here. Oh, okay. So not, yeah. It's not, it's not awful. Not okay. bad. Okay. So Evan, when you, when you start, you, so Bill, you were in because your, your dad, you're a legacy fireman, right? Your, your grandfather, your dad, your brother. Yes. Yes. I'm a fifth generation Erieville fireman. 
Right. And you guys uh, corrupted Evan. I mean, brought Evan in to the fire service, right? Is that how that went? Yes, basically. Okay. But Evan, you spent some time on a more urban uh, department and did a lot of training with them initially. Uh, after, when I went to college, I bunked in. You bunked in, and, right? Uh, yeah, when I was in college, yeah. Okay, and it was more years. of a, a city department that was busier call volume. Oh, oh yeah, like 1,800 calls a year, straight fire, no, well, smells and bells, you know, none of the rescue and EMS. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you did all, you did training, presumably with them as a bunk in probably like daily, right? Yes. Every day we were, well, we had to give them eight hours a day. So for bunking in there, we worked for them and then we trained all the time every day, mm-hmm. did drills and truck checks every day. And Right. So then um, talk a little bit about the differences with training in that way, <clears throat> excuse me, in that kind of module versus the training that you do uh, in your, in your current department and how, how that impacts the members you think? Um, I think a lot of it is, you know, you're just, you're out there using it all, you're training it and using it. So it, I don't want to say it seems more worth it, but out here we do it and then we don't do it on a call forever. And then people lose interest, you know, you're staying out there. You're always using what you're learning and being able to associate it with what you're doing. We're here, we might learn, I don't know, cutting a hole in a roof and we don't do it for years and, you know, so it's just very, it's more like you got to use what you did out there. Yeah, and that's, here, I think people. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a challenge for, you know, for all, all small departments, you know, you, you train, you train, you train, you train. It's tough to pe- keep people engaged. Interested. In, you're right. training and you're never putting the skills to use right right um, yeah that's that's definitely a challenge and sure. man you just man just hit it right on the head how many times do you go to the firehouse and practice pulling hand lines right on a tuesday night for two hours pull hand lines pull hand lines pull hand lines and it we go four years without doing it on a call you know what i mean just eventually right. people like what it, it sucks we're, we're just doing it for nothing you know and it make it's hard to make people stay engaged in doing it to repeatedly come to practice and drills when I don't get to do it on a call, you know? Sure. Right. Um, one thing that I know that you guys have, uh, we've been trying to get going and keep going is because we have some smaller departments in our, our area is to do joint trainings with other departments and, and having um, particularly SCBA people uh, jump on to some of the interior training and other departments. How has that worked for you guys or not worked? Evan. Go ahead. I mean, I mean, I love it. I, uh, I love, I love seeing what other people have. I love seeing how they operate it. You know, it's always a, a different idea, right? Um, it's, it's nice to see different tools and tactics and yada, yada. Uh, but I mean, the state is hounding in fire classes about crew integrity and stick with your people and stick what you know and use your stuff on the call, which I like that too, right? I know my vent saw uh, way better than I know your vent saw. And I know exactly where my six foot hook is on my engine. Um, But I mean, we just don't, we don't get the people 
at a, at a Tuesday night drill and FDBA people to put on a decent practice, right? And for the newer people or, or the people just getting into it or whatever, they want a decent practice. They want to come and learn something. But if you only get me and one other guy for an NC, you know, uh, how much can you do, right? So, I mean, yeah, we are supposed to stick with our crew, get on the scene. But, you know, if George, or oops, sorry, if our neighbors get a couple <laughs> of people, if one department gets a couple of people to the east and one to the south gets a couple of people and one to the west gets a couple of people and we all get together, right, then we can do something decent, right? We can pull a line while we search and uh, maybe one guy, you know, right. throws the ladder. We just did a drill where we just, all we did of the whole, well, one of the things we did was throw ladders and, you know, how, how we can throw our, our engine has a 28 foot three section extension ladder that sucks. Uh, but you know, we just did a drill where we can throw that alone. You know, one, one, one firefighter can throw that alone. So, you know, and we had mutual aid department, not mutual aid departments, but we had our neighboring departments, a couple of them mutual aid come and do it with us. And it was just, you know, they, those guys were so happy just to do something, right. Because it's the same everywhere. All, all of our neighbors, most of our neighbors, um, they're getting the same thing. They're getting a couple three people for SCBA practice and they, you know, you can't, you can't do anything, right. You can pull a line, pull a line and pull a line. The same people, one person grabbed the knob, one, you know, stretch the rest of the line, whatever. But eventually you want to like integrate it all together. Not just, uh, you know, not just each step of it individually. You want to put it all together. Sure. Uh, yeah, training enough- with a group. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Training with two or three people from this department, that department, that's how it is on our calls. Anyway, once you get there, it's going to be two or three from here, two or three from there especially right. during, the day, me, during the week. Right. Or, or me and Evan, you know, we go meeting down at a, at a neighboring town, right. We're just getting ready to leave the place down there in the siren ringing. And, you know, we, we've been around for an, enough time. We know a bunch of those guys, right. Evan's like, let's on the engine. So, uh, you know, we did and uh, we can operate with them enough to make it happen. You know, we were not super comfortable with their equipment, but, you know, we know that this is the same and they have the same power plant for their spreaders and yada, yada. We can make it happen a little bit. Um, And, you know, they were glad to have us because, you know, we were, the engine had four people on it and we were two of them. So we were going to a pretty, you know, we were going to a car wreck. So you need some hands. Um, But that, that, I mean, that's how it is. We don't, we're used to, um, we're used to mingling with other departments um because we have to yeah so there's nothing wrong with that you know, you know that 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 training philosophy because you know like you guys said and that's exactly what i was going to say when evan said it was you know if that's how you're responding anyway right you know you're going to be working with all these people well you know i i want to i want to work with these people and get to know what their capabilities are that way when we go you know when we go to a job or whatever the you know whatever we're going to i can you know i, I know what to expect from them you know so it it's 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 beneficial on a couple different levels right you got to know you have to know you know, it's all part of knowing the resources you have at your disposal right? Um, and, and what they're capable of. You know what I mean? Like we cannot expect, uh, you know, if we call this department, Department X, if we call them for mutual aid during the day, we cannot expect them to put out a five SCBA person engine crew. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not realistic. And they think the same about us. They're like, right. yeah. Maybe every once in a while, these guys will hit and nail it, but we can't expect that every single time because it's just not realistic, right? I have to leave my town to go to my job, right? And I'm gone for 
eight hours. Two hours. So, <laughs> hour and a half. <laughs> Some days. Occasionally. But, um, gone you know you know you know evan evan goes to his job and he works a 16 hour day two days in a row and then he's home for a few days you know what mm-hmm. i mean so you, you you never know some days we might have five and two on a tuesday uh but there's a lot of times that that's just not realistic you know what i mean and we have to recognize that and uh you have to be able to overcome it because like i told uh one of kara's colleagues one time um you can't stand there and wait for the mutual aid engine because the homeowner, you know, how, how do you explain that to the homeowner? Uh, I got to yeah. wait, you know, I'm here and I have an air pack and I have a hand line, uh, but I have to wait for another engine because I can't go in there by myself, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, 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 absolutely. Yeah, understandable. Are there, are there times that you, you just don't get out and, and that, oh, yeah. it happens. So are there times where you, where you, where you are counting, you know, on mutual, on mutual aid. Cause you just don't get out. Does that occur? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that, that's tough. Nobody, any, anybody that's into the job and into their organization and proud of what they do, like hate, hates that, you know? Right. I absolutely. Right. hates it. Yeah. You never want to, especially, see it. especially when, especially when it's a trend that's led that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, especially when 20 years ago when I joined, right, there was we, we uh, us not answering a call and not responding was unheard of. It didn't happen ever. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, we, we used to be on a bunch of boxes uh, for mutual aid because they had a bunch of people, right? If you called Erieville, you would always get like eight or nine people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And the trend is just you know, it's the volunteer fire service trend is this way. Uh, but the numbers just aren't there anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about you, you guys mentioned, you know, doing some of the special operations type stuff for the, for ice rescue because of, because of all the water that you have. Do, do you think that that helps to keep the people that you have engaged and, and um, you know, and coming around a little bit more because you're doing something that's a little bit different than, the norm and because you're running to other areas with that, with that team or with that group of people. I mean, you can talk a little bit about this too, right? Because you just, you just had a call this winter where it was you guys and your first mutual aid area, both doing ice rescue, right? Right. Um, yeah, we can make, I mean, luckily it wasn't anything, but it came as a lawnmower on the ice and fell through so we had we had believe it or not that would be a plausible thing that could happen (laughs) right um so yeah i don't know it's definitely something cool to do and i'm sure i mean we have a couple people who love doing it i like doing it um but we don't really use it a whole lot thankfully Mm -hmm. um spring and summer but or spring and fall but um but i think you have a lot of people you have a lot of people in that area. There's like, there's a lot of ice fishing. There's a lot of like snowmobiling. Snowmobile trails. A, yeah. Right. So, so that kind of stuff is something that would be, a, you know, it's a skill that you need to train on. Right. And Bill, it's Definitely, not your yeah. ice rescue is not your favorite thing. Right. Mm, no, <laughs> I mean, I could do it. I'm, you know, I can wear the suit or whatever, but no, it's not not my favorite thing. It's not, not not your forte, not your cup of tea. Well, 
Eh, nah, <laughs> not really. <laughs> uh, but it's 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 like anything, you know. We train. We try to train three times a year on it. We try to train um, early, uh, late November, early December, when mm-hmm. the ice um, either open water or very thin, uh, not good ice. And then we train one time in February where we have to go out and uh, cut a hole with a chainsaw. And then sure. we try to train like like this time of year or uh, earlier this month when the ice is weak again, you try, we train, 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 train on it. And then, you know, we had, I mentioned the two substantial bodies of water that we have in our district, but there's lots of smaller ones. And we, we had one call this year on it and uh, you know, we didn't run any mutual aid for ice water calls. Um, We had one call in our district on it this year and it turned out to be a total joke and people are still laughing about it. And uh you know, it's, it's, again, it's hard to keep people interested. It's hard to convince people you have to train to do something that, um, that, you know, when you actually do it is few and far between, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was was just saying that was the first time I've actually put our ice rescue suit on for a call in 15 years, you know? So it's something we don't use a lot, which is good, but it's hard to keep pressing the training for it when we never use it. Right. Right. Yeah, I was just going to say, when you're not putting the training into action very frequently, it's really easy for people to get into that mindset of complacency, right? right. And say, you know, I don't, I don't need to go on this call, or I don't want to go to training because we're never going to use it. So, um, you know, you guys talk a lot about, have uh, touched on, and we talk a lot about um, the importance of leadership, right? To keep the, to keep that mindset healthy in the department to say, we're training for a reason. We don't know when we're going to be called. We might not be called today. We might not be called tomorrow, but at some point people in this community are going to need us. And that is why we are doing what we do. And that can be really hard to keep fresh and keep in people's minds, especially when you're in a smaller department and, you know, maybe your community itself has dwindling numbers and not, not people moving in. Um, so that kind of thing is, is a real challenge for departments as well. And, and how do you guys address uh, those concerns? Uh, uh, the leadership is so fresh right now. Um, so leadership is always a problem and not a problem, but it's always, it's al- it always has to be at the forefront of concern, right? If, if you're in an officer position, you should always be caring about, you should always be thinking about, um, you know, the, what, what kind of leader you want to be and how that is impacting or your tactics on leadership, how that's going to impact the people that are directly involved with it, right? If you are a, if you're a leader in a small part that you're leading you know, you're, you're, you're leading 14 people, um, in, or you're an aspect of a leader, uh, you're leading 14 people, right? So I heard a quote one time about an elected official, right? And, uh, I'm an elected official. I'm an elected Lieutenant, the Eagle Fire Department. Uh, I heard, I only got to make 51% of the people happy, right? So 51% of 14 is, well, let's say seven people, Right. And a couple of them are gone to work and, you know, one of them's got a babysit and one of them's sick and yada, 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 down to only like one or two people that are 
you know, that are impact by your leadership, right? That's not enough to uh, pull a hand line and search the first floor. That's not enough to uh, safely go up um, and cut a vet hole, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, let's say you only got to make 50, if 51, even if 49% of the people are not happy with the way you are leading, right? That's, there's not enough people to make that many mad. You know what I mean? There's right. not enough people to have that many disapproved of you. And, um, you know, you, you can say we keep personal feelings and business separate, but, uh, you know, grudges die hard, right? When you make somebody mad in a fire service, that's not that busy. You don't have, uh, you know, we don't have 16 fires a year to recover and move on and, and think about the next thing and yada, 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 you know, that it's, it's hard to forget when, uh, when, when you've been burnt, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And I think that, um, you know, when you have smaller departments and smaller membership to draw from, the positive um, leadership where you're focusing on rapport, you're focusing on your on building your team and making your team strong and, um, and making sure that they, that retention is there um, becomes even more important, right? Than on some of the bigger departments. Um, not that it's not always really important, but like you said, and you said that very well, you know, you don't have the numbers to draw from to, um, you know, not think about how impactful leadership is. Um, so that's, that's a huge, huge thing. Um, I think for a lot of small rural departments in this country, I mean, we still, our volunteer service um, is still 70% of the fire service in this country. So hugely important. And I think a lot of small departments are struggling with a lot of the same things that you guys are talking about tonight. Uh, so yeah, I'll connect a couple of dots for you here, right? As far as retention is concerned, um, in a small town rural fire department that isn't that busy, doesn't run a lot of calls and doesn't have a lot of members, uh, your leadership tactics directly affect your retention directly right um yeah. nobody wants to be nobody wants to be around uh nobody wants to be around that person that is um constantly pointing out the bad right if you go to a drill and the leader of the drill is saying this went wrong this went wrong this went wrong this went wrong we need to be better at this we suck at this suck at this right the next time that person has that drill or any drill uh you know, nobody's I, there. If I want, yeah, you don't want to go. Yeah, I don't well, want to go, right? I don't. Want... Yeah, well, that I mean, look, that's that's lack of instructional tactic, is what that is, right? Because anybody that teaches anything knows that you you're always you're look. The point of training is you're always going to have criticism and negative points of the training, but prior to even pointing out negative points and criticism, you always highlight the positive, right? So you're not always focusing on the negative. It's not like right. you suck. It's like, hey, you did this really well, but you suck at this, right? And obviously not worded that way, but you get but right. you know what I'm saying, you know, and, you know, and, and I agree with you 100%. Look, leader, leadership traits and leadership abilities do directly link to um, morale, which directly links to retention. If you have 
shitty leadership, typically you have shitty morale. And if you have shitty morale, typically you don't retain your people. I mean, that's, that's, that's how it all shakes out, you know, and anybody, anybody that buys into that, making 51% of the people happy, the only thing they care about is winning an election, right? That that's it. Because really that's what, that's what it is. When you only care about keeping the bare majority happy, you're only concerned with continuing your, you know, continuing your reign per se, because I want all my people happy. I don't want 51% of my people happy. I want a hundred percent. Now I realize that is not possible, right? But I want as many of that hundred percent happy as I possibly can. And that takes, you know, that takes um, a lot of work to get people to understand. And, and it's taken me a long time to get to this level too. Trust me that it's okay for, for us to disagree on stuff and it's okay for us to have differences of opinion and not walk away and just completely destroy the organization because we disagree on two things. You, you know what I'm saying? And that's a huge problem for some place, for some places when, when people get into those clicks and those, and those, uh, those fighting, uh, you know, those, two sides of, of, of an argument. Oh my God, it can destroy a place so fast. And leadership, you know, you know, leadership is one of the, I would go out on a limb and say leadership is one of the biggest um, contributing factors to uh, uh, dwindling membership in fire departments. Right. And I don't mean, I don't necessarily mean the chief, right? Not the only leader in a fire department, for no, sure, no, right? All. The captain is a leader. The lieutenant is a leader. The senior guy is a leader. Uh, the most senior, most knowledgeable EMT that runs all the calls is a leader, right? Um, you don't need a red hat to be a leader, right? Evan's a leader and he does not have a red helmet, uh, but he's the he's one of the most seasoned firemen there, right? When Evan climbs up on the engine, he doesn't need a title, Right. right. He, everybody's like, well, he's been here before. So uh, a couple times. So, you know, we're going to follow him. We're going to follow sure. his lead. We're going to, you know, we're going to look up to him. Um, leadership come in all kinds of uh, all kinds of shapes and sizes. Right. And uh, it's, what? it's huge, man. It, it, it's under, it's understated how big it is uh, good leadership or bad leadership. Well, and listen, let's, let's, let's face it in, in, in rural America, small volunteer fire departments. All right. People are promoting leaders that have absolutely zero leadership training. That's, that's part of the problem, right? You're putting somebody into a position of authority and leadership and they, and, and lots of them have zero, have never led anything in their entire life. And you say, okay, well, we're right. going to send them out to the training center to take a fire officer one class. Look, I teach the class. That fucking class doesn't teach you how to be a leader, right? It, it you know, it teaches you a lot of the things and the knowledge, skills, and ability that you need to, you know, work your way through, you know, this thing that we do. But it doesn't teach you how to deal with people. It doesn't teach you how to. Uh, you know how to negotiate conflict. It doesn't teach you how to be somebody's, you know, somebody's best friend one day, enemy the next day, confidant the day after that. You know, it doesn't teach you any of this stuff. You know, and and a lot and like departments like yours, they're just happy to have warm bodies to fill the positions. You know, let alone somebody that actually knows what it takes to be a leader. 
right? right. If you're fortunate enough to get a warm body that, uh, that has a little pride in their work uh, and is has a little bit of natural leading ability, right? Sure. If you're fortunate enough to get the person, they're going to go a long ways, right? Because people recognize that stuff. People see, hey, uh, when this guy shows up, he shows up every single time. Um, but yeah, is a whole, you know, in the nature of it is you have to take what you get because you don't get a lot. Sure. Great. And, and look, a lot of it's on us too, right? Sometimes we're, we're not good at training our replacement. You know, we're not, we're not good at making people understand and, and passing the reins per se, not just saying, here's all, yeah, good luck. Here's all your stuff, you know, have at it, have a nice day, but really training these, these people that are coming up through the ranks that are going to be our replacements. There's just a lot of places that are not, not good at, at, at that succession. And it all comes down to, you know, mentorship and, you know, Kara's stuff, mentorship and, yeah. <laughs> I feel in the small departments, it's you know one bad apple can really sour it a lot faster. Oh hell yeah! And in a in a bigger group. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah, for sure, no doubt, no doubt in my mind. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. What else, Kara? What else do you want to hit on? Some good well, stuff. I, I mean, like we, it. Yeah, that was really. It's very good stuff. Um. Yeah. Uh. What else is, is unique in rural communities? I mean, um, the other thing that I think that really stood out for me when I started running more mutual aid with you guys, which is something I'm not in a, I'm not in a, a large town or a bigger, I, I mean, I'm not in a real big area myself, but you guys literally know um, everybody when you're responding to the calls, right? Like, right. you know, you know, everybody when you're going to their house, right? You know, you know who it is when the call comes in and that's um, how does that impact you in terms of, you know, when you have, when you're running short and you don't necessarily have your crew too, like that's got to give you a little kick in the gut too. Right. Oh, I guess you get used to it. I don't know. I mean, you're right. Right. Uh, The rescue call we went on the other night um, was, you know, whatever the wife of a guy my mom used to go to church with, the last fire we went to or that reported fire, that guy used to be a fireman, you know what I mean? 20 years ago or 10 years ago, he used to be a fireman. Uh, the time before that, we went on a car wreck that was my, you know, my cousin's roommate or whatever. So I knew who that was. <laughs> like we, we rarely, rarely go on a call where there isn't some personal connection to the victim or somebody in the household, right? That's just, right. it's the right. way it is, right? Uh, I don't know. You I- just... Just that's deal like, with it and the small talk and yeah, I mean that's that's like a you know that's not that's unique though I think in in a lot of the rural departments because when you guys are doing this you're doing it all for the right reasons still right you're doing it because you literally know everybody in your community and it's important to you right you want you want to know when your family members you know. Um, Cause you guys all have family in the town, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, we, I guess I, I, we, that's not really how I look at it, but yeah, I guess you're right. You know? Um, yeah. We're just doing our part to keep our community safe. You are, you are. And yeah, I, for sure. I think that, you know, that's, that's huge because 
<clears throat> I think the, in a lot of the larger departments, you know, there, I mean, even me, like there's, you know, I don't know everybody that, that we're going to, you know, I mean, even we're not far away from you guys, but our community has grown a lot more and we have a lot of, you know, newer families in town and things like that. I don't, I don't know people, um, you know, the way that, that it was when I was, you know, growing up. So it's, it's a, it's a big difference, you know, I mean, it doesn't change the way that we respond. We're going to go to everything and we're going to make sure that we give everybody the best care that we can and make sure that we give them the best service that we can. But I think it just adds a new, you know, layer that you guys stay dedicated to it and, and have been in it as long as you have from, you know, a young age, because it's truly important to your community. I mean, really, you know, even if it's those hundred calls or whatever, it's a big deal for the people in your community to know that it's there when the, the, if it wasn't for you guys, the closest department would be 10 miles away. Right. Kara, what, um, what, what uh, keeps your community alive and bringing people in the more commercial end of it and being closer to the Syracuse just, area? I think we're just, just, that much closer to Syracuse that the commute is just 10 miles closer. So do you have a big um, like bedroom type of population of people going into the city from, from your area for. Yeah. We're, uh, we're more considered like an Eastern suburb of Syracuse. So gotcha. um, <clears throat> we have a little bit of a bigger um, population still where the commute is a little bit just a tad more reasonable, I guess, mm -hmm. especially in the winter months. Um, it's we're all in the same school district, uh, these guys, and we're all in the same school district. Also so, um, yeah, it's all the same. Um, but you got but, some pretty, you guys got some pretty huge, uh, you got some res, um, commercial business, commercial there, those yep. factories up right. there. Uh, yep. yeah, you got, we've I mean, got like three or four, they got four, more going on, four factories in town. Um, there's mm -hmm. a pretty decent sized retail and restaurant um district uh as well and that brings people into the community <clears throat> as well and then mm -hmm. we have the college of course right being being that you're all in the, in the same school district do, do you do any you know joint like career days or, or recruitment days at the at the school district kind of a thing so we uh, Kaz kind of has led it and, um, I'm not sure really why that is. There's no really, re no real reason for it, but mm -hmm. we do invite, um, the other, there's kind of two other departments, mm -hmm. um, that are in our school district and we always invite them to participate, um, in our recruitment and retention and open houses. And, mm -hmm. um, we, I know Bill and Evan have both participated in uh those days themselves but we we don't typically get a big response um from, from the, the departments and not from the leadership yeah 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 i'm just curious just throwing stuff yeah. out there as a, as i'm saying i was sitting here thumbing through these guys facebook page as we're as we're as we're talking i'm assuming <laughs> i found it there's only one Erieville, new york right <laughs> there is only one Erieville, new york okay All but, right. You guys, we, nice, you guys have a nice engine. I'll tell you that. It's a nice engine you got going on there. Oh, uh, the custom? Yeah. yeah. It's older than you think. It's a 2008. I would never guess that by looking at the picture. It's a nice picture. 
Must be Photoshop. Where do you see the picture of it? Oh, on uh, yeah. Facebook or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. Erieville Fire Department, Inc. That's you guys, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's me. Eat, Eaton Brook Road. Look, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, you know, we're going to send you some, uh, we're going to send you some applications here before we're all done. There you go. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> when we, when we yeah, do go out the... and do, re- when we do recruitment in the high school though, or in any of the schools, I do, uh, we always make sure that we let people know, or if we get junior members that are interested, um, yep. I always, we always ask them what district they live in. Yeah. Um, and then we try to refer them to their home district. So we sure. don't pirate them, you know, um, because I do think it's really important for them to get to know their home uh, district and try to be available to 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 respond to to where their home district is. So that's something yeah. that is um, that is part of uh, our recruitment process. Cool. All right. Awesome. I, think I, I think I was just talking to Bill the other day, though, like when I was in school, there were three school buses that came to Erieville and now there's only one. So it really shows you like how yeah. shrinking we are. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not, you guys are not unique. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I have this conversation here in my County, right. There are, there are communities and, and fire districts that, you know, are in, in the same boat. They don't, they don't do a lot of work. Some of them do less than you guys. I mean, a hundred, some of them would like give their, you know, freaking some of them only run a tanker right? yeah some of them yeah. would run their better you know give one of their family members away for 100 calls a year you know, they don't even <laughs> right. run 100 calls a year you know um and you know it's the same families same groups of people that have been keeping these places afloat for years and years and years and um you know they're they're it's tough, you know like you said it's tough to keep people engaged and motivated and you know not utilizing what what they're learning and um you know especially when when you do get when you do finally get somebody you know that's maybe in their you know in their teens or early 20s or what have you and then you know it's hard to keep them because there's nothing to keep them in the area you know whether they're right you know, work or school or whatever it may be so definitely feel your pain and are, are, uh, i mean we're uh, we're i know a lot of people that are familiar with it for sure Absolutely. So, all right. Any, uh, Karen, <laughs> any, any parting thoughts from you guys or anything that you want to, you know, mention? I appreciate your time. Thanks Ooh. for having us. Yeah. Oh, thanks absolutely. a lot. Uh, I don't have any parting thoughts. <laughs> None that you want to hear probably. <laughs> you want to have any parting advice? Like don't give a five foot one fireman a three foot pike pole or anything like that. Is it story that. time? We can tell <laughs> stories. Uh, well, I can listen, tell stories till I'm sorry. That's all the time that we have for tonight. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say the standard pike pole is probably huge for you, isn't it? No, no, no. Here's what happened, right? Like, don't you make, doesn't the, <laughs> six, doesn't the six foot hook look big in your hands, Kara? I mean, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But, but, but we go to a call, we go to a call over in a neighboring district that's next to both of us, right? And it's a, uh, like a commercial building turned apartment building, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we're upstairs pulling ceilings. We got all these weird, like, uh, I don't know, ventilation things for the roof or something. So there's like little pathways all throughout it. And we're upstairs pulling ceilings and Neiman's bell go off. I was up there with Evan and Kara was with her crew up there on the same floor. But we're, so like, what's going on? We're like, oh, we got to pull here, yada, yada. We got a little fire up here, whatever. 
and Evan Hanser, the hook he was using, and it's like three foot hook, right? With a D handle on it. So Kara's five one <laughs> and a three foot hook. The ceiling foot ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's great he didn't get much ceiling pulled <laughs> couldn't find and then he gets outside and he's what did you say to bill when you got outside evan i think i said was that guy kara was that short <laughs> guy kara no, is what you said Kara. billy could not wait to tell me that that's hilarious <laughs> yeah so i got a three i got a three foot hook that was really helpful thank you for that Great. Great to have great to have that relationship with my mutual aid company. <laughs> Keeps it interesting. All right, mm-hmm. guys. Well, uh, I appreciate you uh coming on. And I think it's you know, I definitely think it's a good good conversation, important message. Uh it, not one that we have had before. Uh and again, not unique. You know, there's a large, large part of not just New York, but you know, across the country that is dealing with uh similar issues, you know, small rural departments, not a lot of manpower, not people moving in, you know, and trying to retain every person that they possibly can. So uh I appreciate you coming on and uh and and talking about it. Kara, anything to yeah. add? No, I just really appreciate it. I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people uh, that listen to the show that are volunteering and just trying to give their time and feeling like, you know, are we the only ones out there? So thank you for taking the time and being real about it and and uh, and talking with us tonight. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right, guys. Thank you very much. All right. And stay safe. Same to you guys. All right. Bye-bye.